Hi, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to The One Thing Podcast with your host, Jeff Woods. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. I remember being in a mastermind with Gary Keller, and someone asked, what does it mean to be successful? Gary paused and looked out at the room and said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, success is nothing more than moving from failure to failure without giving up. I remember sitting back in my chair and I started to think about examples of where this was true. If you're a baseball fan, think of the greatest batters. When they step up to the plate, do they hit the ball every time they swing? Not even close. In fact, if they hit three or four out of 10, they go down as one of the greatest of all time. That means that the best batters in the world fail 60 to 70% of the time they step up to the plate. The question we pose to you is, is this the same in your professional world? Is this the same for your personal world? Today, we explore this with Bruce Buffer. You may know him as UFC's Voice of the Octagon. It's time! He will take you on his journey to achieving extraordinary results by moving from failure to failure without giving up. It all started when he was a kid. He had set a goal of being successful, which for him at the time, the definition of success was around being an entrepreneur. Pretty much, I think I've been an entrepreneur in my own mind since my first lemonade stand when I was a kid. And um, that actually went into my first business uh, in high school where I started making jewelry and selling it to students and even the teachers and all. And I write a lot about this in my book. Um, how that I started to get the bug because I started to make even in 1974 I was clearing a thousand or more a month in high school which by today's standards is you know four or five times that much when I think about it or at least three times that much and I really got the taste of you know what it's like to create build and you know try to succeed with the success of one's own efforts and I always admire Jay Paul Getty saying that I'd rather have 100%, rather have 1% of 100 people's efforts than 100% of my own. And I carried this into my first business, which was a telemarketing corporation I started when I was 19. Because out of high school, I got a part-time job in telemarketing and I became the uh, top salesman within two weeks. I became the sales manager within a very short period of time after that. And then I started my own business and all the salespeople went with me to my new company, about 80% of the salespeople, because I was their motivator and getting them to produce. And lo and behold, the business started taking off, but I got sued for a million dollars within two weeks of opening the company, which was quite a shock. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so here, here I am in the period of my life where it's like the most exciting period of my young life, business-wise, going into the worst summer I ever had in my entire life dealing with this. Mm -hmm. So... I managed to turn that around. Uh, I managed to work out a deal with the people that I was working for. I went back to work for them. They dropped the lawsuit. They paid all the attorney bills. They gave me more money, a piece of the company, and a majority of most of the salespeople came back with me. So in a roundabout way, it worked out as a positive, but I learned how to succeed through failing first. Like I always say, and I think a lot of people agree with me, you don't know what it's like to succeed until you know what it's like to fail. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it's a very important point that people have to understand. It's like, granted, we all want to win, but it's how do you handle the losses? How do you handle getting hit, knocked down on the canvas when it's time to get back up again, whether you're a fighter or you're a businessman? Because mentally, the similarities are very similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So from that point forward, my entrepreneurial mind took off and I decided, you know what? I'm still in college. I'm going to stay with college uh, and see how it goes. But within a year... I was basically going to school. I was going to work, you know, in the telemarketing world. And I wasn't, I was like the wolf of LA back then. I wasn't the wolf of Wall Street. I didn't cheat people and steal their money and all that, but I was very successful at telemarketing and office supplies. And I was in great demand by a lot of companies that would have taken me and paid me a lot of money to go to work for them. And I realized that taking that sales ability that I had, I could pretty much go into any business I want because I began to learn after running businesses and stopping going to college and saying to myself, okay, I'm going to devote two years to running my businesses and see if I can learn in the street what I'm learning here in college every day because I'm basically learning what I'm doing. I'm learning at night in college what I'm doing the, during the day running my business. So let me devote all my time to business. And soon, soon after that, I realized that all business is the same. It's just the product that's different. But the marketing avenues are the same. You can have a diamond in your hand and if not marketed correctly, it's going to look like a piece of coal. You can have a piece of coal in your hand and market it correctly, it's going to look like a diamond and people are going to buy it. Example, Jersey Shore. You know, it's like <laughs> something like that. It's all about the marketing. As Bruce continued to focus on building his businesses, he enjoyed a very nice lifestyle. He had his beach house. He had a healthy six-figure income stream. And by his initial definition, he was successful. But he was missing one thing. I had no passion for anything I was doing at that time. If success is getting what you want, Bruce realized that there was no way he could truly be successful if he wasn't passionate about what he was doing. Little did he realize that his journey to discovering his passion would take an unexpected turn at 30 years old when he discovered he had a brother he'd never met. Hey, folks, we hope you are enjoying this episode about UFC's Bruce Buffer. We wanted to let you know right now we are in the process of reinventing the paper planner. It's called the One Thing Planner, and we are not doing this alone. We want to invite you to join us. All you have to do is go to theonething.com slash planner. You can opt in and immediately receive a PDF of the current version that we have been labbing with our Living Your One Thing members and the group of people who have signed up to help us along this journey. When you go to theonething.com slash planner and join us, you're going to figure out how to actually get your calendar to match your priorities. This has been one of the biggest missing pieces we've seen. It's one thing to get clarity on your priorities, but the thing that you follow is your calendar. And for most people, their calendar is simply a parking lot for everyone else's priorities. Going on this journey will help you start to knock the domino down so your calendar will reflect your priorities so you can get your most important work done and achieve extraordinary results. It's free to join this. Just go to the onething.com slash planner and join us now. Welcome back. As Bruce examined his life, all the money, the beach house, the toys, it wasn't what he expected. Then he got a call from his dad, Joe Buffer, asking him to come to dinner that night. When Bruce showed up at the restaurant, it wasn't just him and his father. There was another man sitting at the table. And while Bruce had never met this man in person before, he knew exactly who he was. 
See, Bruce had always been a big sports fan and also a big fan of boxing. And as a boxing fan, he was used to seeing this tall, handsome man in a clean tuxedo with perfectly coiffed hair walk into the ring and say five powerful words. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! The man that was sitting in front of Bruce was his half-brother and the voice of boxing, Michael Buffer. The two of them began a relationship, and as they got to know one another, they discovered that each one of them was missing one thing that the other had. For Michael, he was already the face of boxing and was known across the world for those five words, let's get ready to rumble. But the one thing he was missing was a strong business acumen. Then you had Bruce, who was a business and marketing genius, and the one thing he was missing was a passion for what he did professionally. For the first time, these brothers took their dominoes and lined them up together and ended up achieving extraordinary results. Basically, I began managing his career. I wanted to put him everywhere, not just in the boxing ring, but in the NBA court, football field, corporations, movies, TV, film. And I said to him, I said, I'm going to make you richer, more famous than you ever dreamed. And his, his answer was like, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, listen, if I'm going to give all this up, you can be sure that I'm going to. And we went on to trademark the phrase properly. Uh, we made toys and video games. And over the course of the first 10, 12 years together, we sold over $400 million in retail sales of the products that I created through licensing and uh, from branding and all that. You enjoy all the success with Michael and you look up and realize there's still something missing. How mm -hmm. did the idea of you becoming the voice <clears throat> behind the UFC come to play? Well, when I first saw the UFC, I realized that this is a world for me. I've been in martial arts since I was 12. I did a lot of my own you know, bustling back and forth, fighting, shall we say, in different areas. I was never a professional. I had three black belts. I trained, you know, consistently and on time. And when I saw that fighting, I was familiar with it. And I realized that this is where I needed to put Michael, right? Because I was putting Michael in every big event that was happening. Bruce got Michael in for UFC 6, 7, and Ultimate Ultimate. But then challenges arose because they had a big contract with WCW Wrestling. They got really upset that Monday after he did the first UFC. And I knew they were going to because he came out and he said, if it's not in the octagon, it's not real. Well, in the WCW, when you saw Hulk Hogan punch somebody 20 times in the face, then, <laughs> you know, you thought, oh, okay, great, whatever. But back then they wanted this, they wanted you to think that was real. And then there was a court case where it became sports entertainment. So very sensitive subject back then. Um, and then I realized that Michael could not fulfill any more UFCs. With Michael no longer able to fulfill any more UFCs, Bruce saw a void in the sport. And like many great entrepreneurs, he saw an opportunity. He approached the owners again and said, You need a buffer in the octagon. I said, I have tremendous media contacts. Nobody's paying attention to you. I love this sport. It's a spectacle right now. You know, we're, we're going to get somewhere. But let me grow with you as the announcer, and I'll put all my other tools that I have in my pocket to work to help promote the sport. Not only could he step in the ring and dominate as a charismatic announcer, but he was a marketing and media genius. He was the one thing UFC needed to take the sport to the next level. And then he received the owner's responses. No. Remember, success is moving from failure to failure without giving up. And this is something that Bruce believed in his bones. 
In order to succeed, in order to know really what true success is, you have to know what it's like to fail. With Michael not able to fulfill the role as the voice of the octagon and Bruce hearing no from the owners, he knew that no was simply an opportunity for a future yes. As a smart businessman, he knew that there was one simple thing that he would have to do to turn his dream into a reality. And this is what happens with entrepreneurs. You got to figure out how to get the job. The only way you can get the job is to ask for the job. That's the most important thing. So I realized an angle and I had a fighter named Scott the Pitbull Ferrazzo, a monster heavyweight. I flew down to Bayamon, Puerto Rico with him for UFC 8. I had my tuxedo in the bag and I told the owner, I said, listen, I'm coming to Puerto Rico. Let me announce the prelim, show you what I got and let's get it going. He let me do that. This was it. A second chance for Bruce to step into the ring and convince the UFC owners that he was the man for the job. Prepared and mentally ready, Bruce stepped into the ring and delivered a great performance. And then the call came. They were passing again. Imagine how you'd feel having your goal within reach. So close, you could taste it. And not once, but twice, seeing it slip through your fingers. For Bruce, his journey to become the voice of the octagon was certainly not proving to be an easy one. He had two choices. Give up or keep trying. I kept stopping in New York, seeing them in their offices, taking them out for drinks, doing whatever it took um, to, to say, hey, I want this job. Then they called me back and they said, okay, listen, um, we need you to announce UFC 10. I think it was in Alabama. I forget exactly where. And can you come down there in two days and be there to announce the show? Because our announcer's uncle had passed, he has to go to a funeral. So with all respect to the announcer, I said yes. But I was in the hospital with my mom who had just had a serious operation and she's listening to the phone call while she's recovering. And she said, what was that about? I said, mom, I got to talk to you. They want me to go to Alabama. This is the call I've been waiting for, but I can't leave you. And she gave me the Talia Shire Rocky line. She basically said, just go, you got to go, go. Don't worry about it, go, you know, win, win. Once again, Bruce packed up his tux and hopped on a plane to Alabama. This would be his third time stepping into the octagon. And he knew this time it would be different. So did you get the job? No, they hired somebody else. That someone else was Manny Garcia, a nice guy with a good voice. But there was one problem. When he stepped into the octagon, his nerves got the best of him. And he would sometimes say people's names incorrectly. And while this was happening, Bruce was watching, studying Manny. And he saw this as an opportunity. He approached the owners again to convince them that he was the one thing UFC needed. He waited. Then the call came. They called me up and they said, okay, listen, we're going to be doing the show Friends, right? And they want Warner Brothers wants to put in the real announcer. So they would like you. I said, okay, I'll do the show, but I need to talk to you on the set. And when I saw the owner, Robert Meyer, was on the set, I said, look, I feel like a girl waiting for a date to the prom. I keep asking and asking. I'm not getting the job. This is the last time I'm going to ask. That was the best poker hand I ever played in my life. I announced <laughs> I announced every single show from that point on until about four or five years ago when they brought in a backup to announce shows I could not physically get to, right? So I only miss about seven or eight shows a year. I do 32, 35 a year, amongst many other appearances, and it all works out great. Yeah. And I'm humbly and honorably called the voice of the octagon, which I wake up every day and I love. Success is nothing more than moving from failure to failure without giving up. What are your views when it comes to making mistakes and failure? Do you view it as a negative thing 
that should be avoided? Or do you view it as a natural part of following the path of mastery? The challenge is sometimes you're succeeding so slowly, you think you're failing. You're doing the right activities. And because the results are not instantly there, it feels like you're failing. We see this happen all the time for those of you in living your one thing. We see it every week. You get to the Monday check-in. We work with you to help you identify exactly what to implement for the week. You take action so you have absolute clarity on your priorities. The handful of priorities that if you just accomplished those this week would make it the most exceptional week you've ever had. And for some of you, life gets in the way. Instead of viewing success or failure as whether or not you acted perfectly in order of priority, how can you view it through a new perspective? Did you do better this week than you did last week? Are you making tiny incremental gains? Are you knocking down the lead domino consistently? That two-inch domino that if you just kept knocking it over would lead to extraordinary results in any area of your life. Sometimes we just need the reminder. And that's the value of surrounding yourself with the right people, which if you're in living your one thing, you're already a part of that community. And if you're not in living your one thing yet, will you join us? Go to the onething.com slash membership and you will learn more. We asked Bruce about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. He said he always asks this question. Are these friends really feeding me and, and supporting me? And are they really the kind of friends that I'm going to get to where I want to be with? Or are they draining me and dragging me down? Mm-hmm. So you got to look at different aspects of life like that, I think. And you got to get rid of them. Say bye-bye. What are, I get that from a, a theory standpoint. I've also been in that situation where the limiting beliefs start to creep in. And you wonder, well, I, I can't say no to that person. I can't just right. cut them from my life. What do you say right. to the person who has those thoughts? You don't want to be an enabler, you know? And you don't want to have people that are parasitical around you just feeding off you. Um, it's not a mean thing. It's survival. It's survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And you don't want people to drag you down. And especially, you don't want anybody around you that is not honest. You know, honesty is a very big key. If I'm lied to in business, much less a relationship, I'm out of there. I'm gone. You know, you don't think it's going to get worse. You don't think they're going to lie again. If you get cheated on, whether in business or a relationship, you don't think it's going to get worse. No, these are, if you can't recognize the telltale signs of what's right and wrong in life, you're going to have a real problem going through life. And that's where experience comes in. Experience is very, very important. And also too, it's like the, yesterday I was at an event with uh, Snoop Dogg who was at his compound here in Inglewood, who had a bunch of young NFL rookies in. So he brought in a panel of like John Sally and Jay Glazier and um, Aaron, uh, was Aaron Williams? Um, the female NFL reporter. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, her last name. Aaron Andrews. Uh, yes, Aaron Andrews, excuse me. And uh, a bunch of other people who were successful, including himself. And they were basically telling these NFL rookie athletes what to avoid, you know, how to save your money, how to avoid blowing that huge contract in the first year and going broke like 85% of professional athletes do (laughs) within five years of retirement of basically a very short-lived career. So that information from people that have already lived 20, 30 years of doing this is invaluable. So now the question is, did those young people listen? And will they put it into action? Well, it's like when I give a motivational speech, it's like my job for that 30, 45 minutes is to not just excite you, not just educate you, not just motivate you, 
but to make you feel like you can go out and conquer the world. Now, whether that lasts five minutes, five weeks, or five years, I did my job. Now it's up to you who is in the audience. And that's, you know, I've been in that situation myself. Mm-hmm. So you can't rely on other people to make you successful. Okay. <clears throat> they don't pay your bills. You're the one that's got to do it. And you just got to sit down and realize that you are the kingdom and your empire. Ultimately, you are the one that makes the decision and makes the choices. Therefore, you have to accept the responsibility for what takes place. Which type of person are you? Are you the person who consumes content, thinks about taking action and ends up saying, I'll do it later? Or are you the person who believes that you're in control of your destiny and it's up to you to make it happen? Success is nothing more than moving from failure to failure without giving up. Our question for you is, where in your life are you currently succeeding so slowly you think you're failing? And how can you begin to trust the domino effect by knocking that lead domino down every day, knowing that over time, you will unleash extraordinary results in your life? If you'd like to go beyond consuming content and are committed to living it, we're going to ask you to pause the episode and go to the onething.com slash membership so you can join us in living your one thing. This is our premium community that supports you in implementing the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results each week. And for those of you who are interested in joining us as we create the One Thing Planner, go to the onething.com slash planner and you can be part of the group we work with as we design this and bring it to market. If you'd like to learn more about Bruce Buffer, you can watch him on the UFC. You can also check out his book, It's Time, anywhere books are sold. And if you'd like to get a personalized championship recording like the one you heard at the beginning of the episode, go to brucebuffer.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review on your podcast player of choice. And we trust that you'll think of one person who really needs to hear this message and that you'll share it with them. Thanks so much for supporting the One Thing Podcast. We do this for you. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode. What's the one question you've never been asked that you wish you were asked on an interview? If I gave you a million dollar check right now, would you cash it? If I gave you a million dollar check right now, would you cash it? Sure. You have it. <laughs> I'll cash it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. We're good, man. Uh, that is that's great.